Hi, Happy New Year. Woo! Um, <laughs> and that was it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm just thinking of the la 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 um, happy new year, guys. Wow. What a performance. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, this is Review Without a Cause, the podcast where I review movies and or TV shows and I pretend to know what I'm saying and or doing and or singing, apparently. Today and um, for the new episode of this year, 2020, bitches, how does it feel? Is everything as great as they say it's going to be? Because I'm recording this in 2019, the 31st of December. Oh my god. It's gonna take me a year to release this episode. Ah ha 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 ha. Um, ha 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 ha. I'm sorry. I am that kind of person who does those jokes all the time. I wanted to record this episode yesterday, but I got surgery. <laughs> so that wasn't really fun. And I wasn't kind of, not painkillers, but anesthesia a little bit. So I was a little not in the right mind. I was watching The Witcher with my bae. And doing nothing to be fair so I didn't have time yesterday but today I am here 100% I am rested I do have stitches on my eye but that will not stop me my peeps you know that I am a professional woman and you are my not subjects you are my everything oh that's so beautiful you can kiss me at midnight if you want I don't know how you can just kiss yourself and I'll get it I'll definitely feel it uh, and since we're all in very different time zones, guys, we're in such different time zones. It's fucking crazy. I've already done like a little recap on where everybody's listening from. But everywhere in the world, some like at one point or another, have, my podcast has been there, which is crazy, crazy. So we're all in different um, time zones, but I'm sure we can figure it out. If you listen to this podcast, just hug the air. I should do one of those, like, mind space. Just hug the air real tight. Imagine there's a person waiting to be hugged in front of you. And that are your loved ones, your family, your friends. That was beautiful. Um, so if you want to kiss me at night or kiss your phone, I'll get it. Anyway, that was a point. Today, we're going to review Little Woman, the 2019 version. I have been waiting so long for this because I reacted on my Instagram uh, to the trailer and I was really waiting to see this movie. I was so excited. Um, I did have a little trouble with Timothy Chalamet. I love the man. I really do love the man, love the legend. But he, he was looking a bit too young for me and a bit too skinny. But that's his, like, he is a skinny boy. Love it. Skinny boy. Love it. I love big boys, <laughs> like Lizzo. I love big boys, I love skinny boys, I love teeny boys, Mississippi boys, and the city boys with the bota. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so I, I don't mind really, but I just thought like it was a bit weird because he looked a bit younger than some actress that I'll talk about in the uh, spoiler zone. So anyway, let's go into the little woman review on imdb has 8.3 stars and the description of the movie is four sisters come of age in america in the aftermath of the civil war now this movie it's based on the novel of 
a great writer. <laughs> no, it's uh, Louisa May Alcott wrote the novel and a few, a series of novels actually. A Little Woman is just the first one. It's usually the one that's adapted the most. Um, Lu Louisa May Alcott had a very difficult childhood. Um, if you want to listen more about her childhood and what she had to go through, you can go to um, the History Chicks podcast and they have an episode about her. Apparently, if I remember this correctly, she had a very difficult childhood because her father wasn't much of a breadwinner so they had to struggle they were really hungry they lived in a commune for some time because he was too focused on um being creative and creating something that was worth it but didn't care about his family enough so in this movie the figure of the father is a very caring man just you know because he didn't get that like she Louisa Mealka didn't get that from her father so she wrote what she wanted parents to be like, which it's a bit idealized, like an idealized version of her parents. Um, so that there's a lot of May, Louisa May Alcott in Little Woman and in the characters, and that's really important, and that's something that Greta Gerwig also saw and noticed and knew. Maybe she did listen to uh, The History Chicks, who knows? And she tried to uh, bring that into, the, into this adaptation, something that other adaptations do not. And this... Adaptation is a bit more, it's a bit different. There's um, a bit of a, um, not a twist, but it's a bit of a different perspective on things. So I thought that was quite interesting after many, many, many adaptations that are very classic. Now, I did have a little problem with that because if you watch the 1994 adaptation of Little Woman, your entire life with uh, Winona Ryder and um, Christian Bale, and then suddenly you get this kind of a new wave now new wave version now with this new take on little woman yeah that's right the little 1991 version was the one that i knew um and in that one it is based on the book obviously like every adaptation but it's very classically edited and classically interpreted and you know that's the one i knew it was winona writer playing joe then we have um christian bale playing laurie which is a beautiful thing to see. Meg Marge is played by Trini Alvarado, Alvarado, I guess. Beth is played uh, by Claire Danes. Kirsten Dunst plays the younger Amy. And then the older Amy is played by Samantha Mathis. So they do cast two different actresses, something that they didn't do here. And then Mr. Brooke is played by Eric Stolz. That's not the way you pronounce it. Anne Marge is uh, played by Mary Weeks. Susan Sarandon plays Mrs. March. Like, it's a it's a whole thing. It's a big cast. I guess that was the big boom of the 90s, this Little Woman adaptation. And for us, is this one, which I think is really nice. It's nominated for two Golden Globes, this one, not the last one. And I'm really excited to talk about it because I didn't notice the detail and care that Greta Gerwig put into this. Um, I just... I watched it and then I read the trivia and I was like, oh my God, I wish I would have read the trivia before going to see the movie because there's so many little things that I didn't notice. But anyway, that's the whole point, I guess, that you want to watch it again. Let's talk about the cast. I am being so professional, guys. What is up with me? Oh my God, I got to stop myself. Do a little fartsy noise to just keep me humble. And I continue. So, um, Joe March is interpreted by Cyrus Ronan again, um, just like... She did, like, she casted him. She casted him. She casted her in Lady Bird as well. And she was a bit worried about, you know, casting her again in her next project, Greta Gerwig. But Sarah Sue Ronan wrote her and said, I want to be Joe Marge. And that was the, like, casting, like, casting yourself as Joe Marge is the most Joe Marge thing you can do. 
like just saying, hey, I want to be Joe March and being like, I'm going to be Joe March, right? And then Greta Gerwig was like, that's the most Joe March thing anyone has ever done. So yes, you are Joe March again. Like not again, but I cast you as my leading lady again, which is beautiful. Then we have Emma Watson playing Meg March. It was actually Emma Stone who was supposed to play the role, but I don't think she, I mean, it's a very particular role and I don't think Emma Stone would have suited. Maybe she would have done a great job, but she opted out and she recorded the favorite. So we have Emma Watson. Then we have Florence Pug, who plays Amy Marge. I know Florence Pug in a party. No, she did Meet Somar, this um, thriller, psychological, in, intense, scary thriller. And she also did Lady Hamlet. Now she's my age. So she, I guess, well, I don't know if she's 23 or 24. I'm turning 24 soon. Uh, but she she's supposed to play the young, like Amy Marge, young and old. And I think they do kind of a good job at turning her from a child to an, you know, 18-year-old girl. But still, she looked a bit older than Elisa Scanlon, who's the next one I'm going to talk about. She plays Beth Marge, and Amy's supposed to be the youngest, but Eliza is uh, technically the, the youngest of them all. Eliza Scanlon was, um, she's the girl from sharp objects if you haven't seen that show i recommend it to you 100 it's only one season it's based on a book by the writer of gone girl so you know it's gonna be amazing um and she did also a very good job and she's younger than the girls though but she i think she did a great job even though she doesn't have as much experience and what i think is really funny is that the description of the film is that uh four sisters come of age in america and they're supposed to be you know show what American people went through after the Civil War, but all of these actresses are not American. Sorry, Sue Ronan is Irish, Emma Watson and Florence Pug, I think they're both British, and Eliza is Australian, but, you know, <laughs> I think that's really funny, because none of them are uh, American at all, but, you know, it's okay, I guess, they're all um, citizens of the world. Then we have Laura Dern playing the mummy, Marmy Marge, she plays Timothy Chalamet, obviously, playing Theodore Laurie Lawrence. And then we have the father Marge, playing, played by Bob Odenkirk. And then James Norton, my beautiful man. James Norton, he was in a show, well, I don't know if he's still, it's still being produced or aired in the show. Um, Grandchester, he plays a priest that solves murders. <laughs> um, he was also in uh, Mac Mafia. He was in the new adaptation from 2016 of War and Peace. He was... Uh, what else has he been? He's been in a ton, ton of stuff. There's a new sh miniseries coming out, The Trial of Christine Keeler, based on the true story of Christine Keeler, who um, she was involved in a sexual scandal. And he's also going to play a part in this. I think it's a very big part or um, important part. Um, so he's been in a lot of things. Happy Valley he's been in as well. The Oh, Lady Chatterley's lover. That's how I got to know him because he plays the husband of Lady Chatterley. Sir Clifford Chatterley. So many fancy names. So I know James Norton. I love him. And then Louis Garel uh, plays Friedrich Bayer, which... If you have a sense for accents and you're good at what you do, I don't know what you do. I'm sure you, you're great at what you do. Um, you'll notice the name of the actor is French, but the name of the character is German. So 
in the adaptation in the novel that Louisa May Alcott wrote, Friedrich is obviously German, but Louis Garel is French. I watched the movie in Spanish. I'm sorry I didn't find any English version here in this beautiful city of mine. So it's a bit weird. Like, they don't tell you where he's from. But, um, I mean, I think Louis Garel is a beautiful cast choice. I'm so glad he made it. Like, I've seen him. Everybody who's, like, an indie girl, it's obsessed with Louis Garel because he's been in these artsy films and he's always really sexy um, and really great. I mean, he was in Dreamers, the movie, the Bertolucci movie with um, Eva Green, and she plays the brother of Eva Green, and he plays Theo, basically, and that's the way most of us uh, hipster indie girls know him as this sexy brother who's, like, against political climate in France and all that. That was in 2003. So that he's, it's been a while for him. He's been in a lot of things. Last Two years ago, in 2017, is that two years ago, almost three, he played Jean-Luc Godard, the French director, in... Or something. I mean, the, my accent is ridiculous right now. Um, just because I have a French accent, doesn't uh, French last name, it doesn't mean at all that I know what I'm like, what I'm reading out loud. But he plays the movie director. That was a big role for him. He made last year a Faithful Man, which was uh, I think he wrote it himself. He directed it and wrote it himself. I think, and he plays the lead man who has to choose between. Lily Rose Depp, who funnily enough is dating Timothy Chalamet, so there's a little connection between uh, Louis Garel and Timothy Chalamet in the movie, and Letitia Casta. So obviously he he was just happy to be around beautiful women. Um, he is just he tries to do a lot of like national projects, mostly in French, because he has a thick French accent. Like he doesn't, you know. He also is in. Um, I don't know how to find it. La mort solitaire or what's like, yeah, right. Wait, I don't know how to, how it's, yeah, les amours imaginaires, sorry. And he does a little cameo and that's enough. Like it was already established and that was back in 2010. He did a little cameo at the end of the movie. If you want to watch it out, les amours imaginaires is beautiful. My pronunciation is horrible. Um, so he was already established in 2010. The point of me talking mo minutes and minutes about this is because the cat released an article about who is this hottie casted as Friedrich, like as the German prof professor in the new Little Woman. Like, why is he so hot? I was like, well, he's been around for years and years. He's an established, he's an established actor in France. And they objectified him, like, who is this hottie that just showed up? They didn't even research the guy. But anyway. I'm glad that he's getting more exposure because he's always been stuck in France and it's nice to see him outside in the world, in America. <laughs> wow, that was a long talk about the poor Louis. Anyway, he's great. Love his nose, love everything. Then we have Meryl Streep who plays Anne Marge, obviously. And then other people who I'm not going to go into because I don't got the time. And I've been talking so long about Louis Garrel that I just, I don't even know. So overall, the movie... Uh, when I came out of the theater, I was like, oh, that was okay. That was, I'd, I maybe had too high expectations. Uh, but I do believe, like the last adaptation of 1994, it was directed by a woman as well. So I, I agree that this movie had to be directed by a woman. And it's great that Greta Gerwig did it. 
and also she was pregnant during filming. She was, I think, um, six months pregnant while she was filming it all, and she was hiding it from everybody. Um, um, the boyfriend or husband, I don't know, Noah Baumbach is the father. I mean, I guess. And I think in such an important part of her life, it's interesting that she created such a female-focused movie. And she did a great job. I really, I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed some choices that she made. Like, even though it, did, it doesn't make sense, like, you, if you've seen the trailer or if you've seen me, me react to the trailer, I think I mentioned how beautiful the wardrobe is because they're wearing, like, beautiful colors, some like green, blue, red, pink at some point, which is crazy to think that in the Civil War, these girls could afford or could have something of that color because, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't cheap, but, um, and they look so bright as well because the saturation is kind of pumped up a little. I don't know. It just, it looks natural, but you can tell they call your attention. So it's beautiful that they use colors in like period movies because mostly people don't dare to do that other than Marie Antoinette, the movie from 2005, but that's because it's the, it's the French court, you know, in Louis XVI. So there has to be like a ton of color. But here after the Civil War in America, it's like we're struggling. So why should the girls wear colors? Well, that's not real. Women love to wear color. And maybe they're recycling old dresses from someone else, from her mother back in the day where they were they had more money or they could afford more. So I think that was pretty cool. There are more things that I uh, didn't notice that I read in the trivia and that I'll mention later when I actually talk about the spoilers and everything. Um, the acting was really good from everybody. For me, even though, I mean, you have to do the test, obviously. When you, you have to, first of all, you have to go watch this movie with your girls, at least four of you guys. And when you come out, you got to discuss who is who, obviously. I'll be, um, I'm Meg, by the way. If you were wondering, I am 100% a Meg. I went with an Amy to the theater. We 100% agreed that we were Amy and Meg, which is fine. We all want to be Joe March, but you cannot be Joe March 100%. I think we need little breaks. You know what I mean? You need, you have your Joe moment where you're like, I can do this. I'm an independent woman. And then you're like, uh, you know, you got those moments. Whoever is Joe March 100% every day, it's exhausting. And I wouldn't be able to do it because I'm a Meg. You know what I mean? So anyway, even though I am a Meg and Emma Watson played Meg, I think she was the weakest in the term of acting because she has been stuck in a role, Hermione Granger, for many, many years. And she has a tough job getting out of there. And for me, she just, she did an okay job, but not as well as the other girls did. I mean, Sawyer Surrounding is an, is an exceptional actress and she I think she's going to be the next, I don't know, Meryl Streep if she does it all right, I think. I know it's a bold statement, but um, she she's great in it. She did an amazing job. Florence Pug is breaking through right now. And she's also an amazing actress. And Eliza is just 19 or something. And she's done an amazing job. And the like, her accent is so good. I mean, not in this because I watched it in Spanish. I don't know how she did it here. The accents don't ask me about them. I don't know. But in Sharp Objects, she was great. And oh my God, stunning Eliza. She does. She changes into characters so well because I hate her in Sharp Objects. I hated her face. When I was here, I was like, oh, oh, Beth, you cutesy, you know? That is what a good actress does. So I believe that they were all amazing. Emma Watson, you know, here and there. Um, but yeah, definitely great acting. The hair of everybody in this film is crazy. Um, my favorite was Joe's. Joe's hair, she has like a little curly, kind of like redhead, kind of blonde. Oh, 
moment. I don't know who the hairdresser was, but Jesus, is that right? They say in the movie that Joe's greatest beauty is her hair. A hundred percent, they got that right. That was amazingly done. I was just, my friend, Amy, I'm just going to call her Amy because I don't know if she wants to be named. Amy was just basically drooling over Timothy Chalamet the whole time and gasping and moaning, I don't know, her doing her own thing. Uh, we got, by the way, we got free popcorn and a free drink because we're that beautiful. <laughs> um, he was great, the guy in the cinema. But yeah, we do, we did get some free, free menu, free, free big ass menu for popcorn and coke. If we thought it was pretty cool and he was really nice. Um, but anyway, I I just was focusing on the hair of all of these ladies. So gorgeous. Um, I just I don't know what to say that. It's not like it's not a spoiler, so I'm just gonna stop and I'm gonna go into the spoiler zone. I'm just gonna say the photography was gorgeous. The light was very well done because it's supposed to look like natural light, but obviously I am 100% sure that was and like artificial light that they made to look like natural light, which is a really difficult thing to do. But I think they did a good job, and it was so warm and inviting, and it made you, you know, want to live back in those days a little bit. Have just forest and you know plants about your house and not a neighborhood with them i mean the chinese restaurant around the corner is pretty handy but it made you want to live in back in those days you know um i also enjoyed like listen in period dramas most of the people when they portray young people or like just people in general they all have like this clothes like this serious version going on like if you've seen period dramas I love period dramas I've seen so many of them people act like so controlling themselves most of the period dramas um that I watch are British and British people are only anyway like you know they control themselves they cannot show emotion they blah blah um but in Pride and Prejudice 2005 which I think set a trend I'm coming I'm I'm I'm, I'm releasing my my intellect in 2019 last chance I get in 2005, in Pride and Prejudice, wow, that was 2005, um, she, they do such an amazing job at Joe Wright as a director, even though he's a man, but he portrays the female friendship and sisterhood so well. When you go into that house at the beginning, I had to analyze this scene for a, for a class in uh, my university, my master's degree, and the way they show how messy it all is with hats everywhere and shoes and how they yell at each other and they scream and they gossip and you know that is the way it is I don't have any sisters I have Amy um and I have a couple other girls who are like my sisters but it was like I love seeing female cohabitation being portrayed on screen and I think it's great how they did it and how he did it and how everything is done and I think in like in this take obviously is a female directing and I think you can definitely tell the friendship and sisterhood and how everything is also portrayed and like some scenes they are teenagers after all and you cannot portray teenagers or young people on period dramas and try to um make a connection to the audience or you cannot expect the audience to make a connection with the characters they don't see themselves in it and in this movie I think she did an amazing job at that because they were being silly they yelled at each other they slapped at each other they allowed the actresses to slap each other and some scenes where they were dancing, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but they were just goofing around just like we would. And they were, I mean, they were not modern, they were not dabbing, but like you got, that's what they were going for, you know what I mean? It's um, this 
connection through centuries from young people on screen in what it's supposed to be the aftermath of the civil war and we ending 2019 watching this and actually connecting with these people. That is basically what uh, Louisa May Alcott wanted because she wanted or she was trying to show the day-to-day lives of young girls and trying audiences to feel for it and be invested in it and find ourselves in it and, you know, identify with them. So that's exactly what Greta Gerwig did. And, oh, my God, she did it so well. Wow, welcome to my TED Talk, guys. <laughs> um, anyway, that was without spoilers. Um, I told my boyfriend it wasn't going to be that long. He's been outside my room just like a puppy. No, I'm kidding. He's doing his own thing. Doing his own thing. But I think she did an amazing job, and nobody can fight me on that. I mean, you can find me on it, but I'll fight back. You know what I mean? I, I'll have my Joe March moment, and I'll fight back 100%. Oh, my God. Um. Anyway, I'll go to Spoiler Zone now, because I that was deep as fuck, guys. So why don't we jump into Spoiler Zone and talk about everything, every tiny little detail, every tiny little detail. Can you hear me when I... Uh, tiny little detail. You sound sexy. What if... Do I do my podcast? Okay, I'll jump into spoiler zones now. <laughs> Hello, spoiler zone it is. Hello. Um, so I know that this movie, um, it's the adaptation of a book that was out uh, many, many years ago. A hundred years ago? I don't know. The movie, uh, the book, original book was released in 1868. So it's been a long time. And then the adaptation, the last big adaptation that was in 1994. But um, for example, the person I went to the cinema with, um, Amy, Amy had never seen any adaptation and didn't read the books, any of them. So I thought, why do I not just do the spoilers zone? Because I don't want to be the bitch who um, spoils Little Woman 2019 to you. Although the trailer, I don't know who cut it, who did it, who did it, but they spoiled so many things. I guess they didn't care because it's been out for so long. But why don't we talk a little bit about Louisa May Alcott? Because I mean, it's not. I'm not gonna talk a lot about her. She, if you, I already said, if you want to listen to what happened to her, you can go to the uh, History Chicks podcast and Louisa May Alcott episode. They do an amazing job. Um, and I'm just going to do a little brief moment because Greta Gerwig made uh, parallelisms between Louisa May Alcott's story and Joe's March story or <clears throat> the girls in general. Um, so I thought it was really important that I mention Louisa May Alcott a little bit since she wrote the fucking novel you know so anyway she wrote more than Little Woman I've said she wrote sequels to it the sequels are Little Men and Joey's Boys Little Men was published in 1871 and Joey's Boys in 1886 um her parents were supposed to be like this modern bohemian and she was born among intellectuals um like Nathaniel Hawthorne and David Thoreau you know those people (laughs) Um, and like the March family, she struggled financially. So she had from a very young age to support the family. And she also wrote, obviously, because she wrote the novel, just like Joe March does. Um, she died unmarried, just like Joe March kind of wants to do. And she considered herself a feminist. I mean, I'm sure she didn't use that word because, I mean, I don't know if it was used back in the day. But um, she considered herself a feminist and against slavery. And she died from a stroke. 
1888, when she was 55 years old. Um, she had a pen name, A.M. Barnard. So if you see something like that, I don't know, maybe you can remember that. But yeah, she had a horrible, not very nice childhood. She was poor. And she tr had to work as many things when she was little or oh, younger. She had to work as a teacher, as a governess, um, seamstress, domestic helper, you know. So she also had sisters. And um, basically, that's uh, where you can see the, the similarities between the Joe and Louisa May and all of them. Her sisters, um, she was the second of four daughters, just like Joe is. Her the oldest daughter was Anna, then came obviously Louisa, and then Elizabeth, and then Abigail. Um not only did obviously the four sisters come as an inspiration for Louisa, but also the you know, the dynamics between it. Just like um there was a little bit of a rivalry going on between Abigail and May. That was the name of it. That's the youngest, Abigail May, and her, just like there is between Amy and Joe. And um, um, what's her name? I'm sorry, Beth dies uh, in this. I mean, this is the spoiler zone, guys. Don't act as if you're surprised. But Beth dies, and Elizabeth does, uh, did die as well, just like Beth did. I mean, I don't know if in the same circumstances. But Elizabeth, Liza, Lizzie, and then Beth so that, that wasn't very subtle, was it? Anyway, you can tell there's definitely a lot of, you know, parallelism between it. And um, she died unmarried, like I said. She said that um, about her being single. She said, I'm more than half persuaded that I am a man's soul put by some freak of nature into a woman's body because I have fallen in love with so many pretty girls and never once least bit with any man. Um, I would, if I read this, I'd be like, okay, girl, lesbian icon, I love it, or whatever you want to be identified as, it's 2020 now. Um, but she also had an affair with a Polish man called Ladislas Wisniewski while she uh, was in Europe, and she wrote it in her journals herself, so I don't know, maybe she was bisexual, maybe she was, she didn't identify as anything, maybe she was pansexual. That's the beauty of sexuality, it's a spectrum, so you don't need any, you don't need any tags. Um, but... Uh, basically, that's it. She founded the Women's Educational and Industrial Union in Boston after uh, May. Well, May died as well. Jesus, everybody's dying. Uh, but <clears throat> it basically, uh, yeah, she formed this union and then she suffered uh, some health problems when she was um, older. Older, I'm saying, because she died with 55, but okay. Um, including vertigo. Um, and they say... They're not really sure, but they say it might be because she had mercury poisoning. And then she had typhoid fever during the American Civil War. so And that's why she was treated with um, a compound that had mercury. So that's why they connect the later suffering that she had, these chronic health problems that she had later in her life. Um, but yeah, she died of a stroke two days after her father's death. Um, <laughs> her last words were, is it not meningitis? <laughs> Which I think is quite funny. Um, but the good thing about this, guys, and why we know so much about it, is that she kept journals until, like, until she died. And she encouraged women to read and 
encourage people to defy gender norms, which is crazy. And for a person in that age, must have been a really difficult task to pursue. But I totally see why Greta Gerwig wanted to, you know, focus this 100% and make connections between Joe and Louisa because Louisa May herself did it. So she wanted to continue that legacy, which I think is beautiful. Anyway, spoiler zone. Let's talk tea, guys. So you see, there's so many parallelism. It's crazy. I don't even know. Like, she didn't try to deny it either, Louisa. She was like, yeah, bitches, that's my sister. Those are my sisters. And you can definitely see um, why there's some parts of the movie that were included. For example, that one of the things that I had... Um, in the movie that I didn't expect was the moment where Joe is like, you know, maybe I do like Laurie. Maybe I will say yes to Laurie. I was like, bitch, what are you doing? In none, like I was, first of all, I was kind of mad. I was like, none of, in any adaptation I've seen has, um, has Joe been like, maybe. I mean, it's true. Women do have a hard time making a decision, including myself. But I was like, what are you doing, Joe? And then the mother was like, do you love him? And she's like, I mean, I want to be loved. And then she gives this amazing speech that is so accurate of women nowadays and back in the day where she's like, I want to be my own woman. I want to be powerful. Um, but I am so lonely, which I thought was really sad and really accurate. And I thought that was um, very good writing. Indeed. There's this other speech where that Amy gives to Lori, where Lori's like, yeah, I just want to get married, blah, blah, blah. And then Amy's like, it's a business transaction. If I marry this man, they're gonna be his children. They're gonna be his children. They're gonna be. It's gonna all gonna be his money. I'm just there for the taking. I'm just there to give him boys and you know children and continue the lineage. And that's what I'm there for. It is an economical transaction. You cannot fool me otherwise. And I read that that speech was like suggested by Meryl Streep. Because she was like, we have to emphasize how marriage was these days for young girls. And apparently Greta Gerwig gave it to uh, Florence Puck like a few moments before filming. Gave it to her in a, like written by hand in a piece of paper. And that's the way they filmed it. It sounds pretty epic. I don't know if that's true. But um, that's why it says on the trivia anyway. I wonder who writes these things. Um now let's talk about Florence Pug because she's an amazing actress and I do love her but she looks older than um like I said the one who plays Beth who's supposed to be um an older character than Amy and she looks even older than Timothy Chalamet I know she's not I think they're the same age I don't know there's something about her that looks young yet old not old but older um I just wrote Florence Pug was great, but she looked a bit too old for the character. Obviously, not old as it is. Um, the chemistry between her and Timothy Chalamet was great, but it, it is, I mean, I knew what was going to happen. I knew that at the end they were going to marry, but, ooh, spoiler. But the connection between Laurie and Joe has always been so, like, so fine. And to this day, if you go to Archive of Our Own or fanfiction.net, Everybody, the most powerful, like the most popular couple in the little woman fandom, to call it as it is, it's Joe and Laurie because people still believe that they should have ended together, which is crazy after years and hundreds of years. Um, but yeah, they didn't end up together, and which is really great. I read it today. 
I should have read this before going to the cinema. But uh, the wardrobe designer, the costume designer, made like pieces that look very similar for Joe and for Lori, so that it looked like they traded, like they changed clothes, they exchanged clothes to make them seem even more like tighter and closer than they are. And I think obviously Timothy Chalamet and Cersei Ronan are one of those couples that are not together in real life because some some couples are, and then you can see it on screen. But there are other actresses and actors who have so much chemistry but are not romantically involved or wouldn't even be even if they were single for example Ryan Gosling and um, Emma Stone have always had great on-screen chemistry um, just like Cyrus Iran and, and Timothy Chalamet and they've been in a few projects and I'm sure they will be cast anymore because they're a winning couple and people love them but um, we've seen them in different like moments in Lady Bird a spoiler for Ladybird, but um, they do have sex, but then they end up badly. And he does an amazing job at being the actor, the character he is, and she does an amazing job at doing her job. And this relationship is so different from the other one. Um, and she's like, "I don't, I don't love you, dude. I'm so sorry." And he's like, "But I love you." And he does an amazing job. I do love Timothy Chalamet, and he, one of his qualities is that he can create intimacy out of thin air. And I. I want that on a t-shirt. Like, Timothy Chalamet's talent is to create intimacy out of thin air. He creates chemistry and intimacy with anybody. With Army Hammer in Call Me By Your Name. With um, Sarah Sirona in this movie. With Florence Pug in some scenes. Obviously, that relationship has to be a little bit more sober. Because that is a proper courting in a way. Um... I haven't seen many more of Timothy Yama's movies, but he does an amazing job at creating intimacy and being so close and touching. And he's such a tactile actor in a way. I don't know. Maybe I'm just blowing his horn way too much, but I think he's he does great in that sense. And I had Amy next to me. I know this is confusing. I had my friend next to me and she was gossiping and moaning and oh my God, look at his eyes. How can you say no? And blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that is, I guess that is the whole point. They did emphasize uh, so much um, his drunkenness and his messiness because I don't remember in the 1994 version of uh, Christian Bale, Laurie being so fucked up. <laughs> but um, somehow Timothy Chalamet always gets casted as the drunk in the in the king. There's a point where he's not a king, he's a prince yet. And he just goes around drinking and gets drunk and gets fucked up. And he People love to put him in these positions where he's just having fun and being a teenager because he looks like that kind of guy. Um, and he so, looks so skinny and so drunk and he makes a whole scene, but like a scene that that character should make, not a scene that Elio from Call Me By Your Name would make. So he's a good actor in that sense, even though he looks exactly the same, they didn't add a little mustache or anything like they did with Christian Bale in the 1994 adaptation. I'm sorry that I keep comparing them, but you should definitely watch it. It's a more traditional approach on it. Um, but those little monologues that they added um, and that they brought this political, um, like this insight into the political moment in their lives and how what it means for women back in the day, it's really important because, you know, in the other adaptations in the 90s, they didn't care about that much. They were like, who's it going to end up with who? But in this movie, it's like, why is it a struggle? Why is Joe behaving the way she is? Why is um, Amy thinking so much who she should marry? you know, what does she have in her mind? And she's like, well, money. How am I going to keep my family 
afloat? How am I going to keep her happy? Which I guess it's kind of another take on Louisa May Alcott's um, story because she had to keep her family going. And another way of doing that would have been marrying someone rich, just like Amy had to do. I mean, she had to do. She loved him. Happy ending. But, you know, she was about to do. Um, I loved seeing this um, relationship between Friedrich and Joe being extended and Amy and Lori because but in some movies it's not seen enough and in the 94 adaptation they change actresses and obviously I mean even if you are a bit you know not right you can see chemistry between Kirsten Dunst and Christian Bale I guess when she is a child um, and I guess that is more impactful because then you see that other girl who doesn't look at all like Kirsten Dunst being like, hi, Lori. You're like, you're not her. So we've been cultivating a relationship and then you change the actress and you can definitely tell. So I guess I kind of like that they have the same actress because you have to keep the chemistry going and it would be a bit weird. And since Kim, uh, Timothy Chalamet doesn't look older, it would be really weird that they change actress, but the actor stays the same that's always been a trouble trouble with amy you know you never get it right either you change the actress or you transform the actress in a way sometimes it doesn't work in this movie it was it was well done i mean it's okay this back and forth i didn't quite like that much because uh, i guess it's just because i'm used of the normal narrative the chronological order of things this back and forth and this parallelisms within the story, seeing Beth sick when she had this um, scarlet fever and sick when she was dying, basically. Um, that was too much. But I guess that was the moment of, that was the conflict of the movie. And Greta Gorwig did a good job at that. Because otherwise, I guess it would have been too sick, like segmented. And there would have been little tiny conflicts in the movie. But in this case, it's like a big conflict where you see... Beth struggling in both sides of the story. Sometimes it was a bit confusing, but the light did help a lot. Obviously, that was the cue. First of all, I think uh, Joe's hair was short in the past, and in the future she had it long. And the light in the past was warmer, warmer tones. There was natural light coming in, and the other one it was gray and blue and... It looked colder because it was the end and they're older and it's not a fantasy world anymore. It's real life. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Laura Dern was great. She looks so good. That woman looks so good. Um, I don't know what to say. That I, lo- I enjoy the movie so much. Um, I love it now more that I think about it. And my my friend Amy... Amy, um, we were watching the scene with Emma, Emma Watson, sorry, where she goes to like the coming out party of someone else. And she's dressed in this pink um, thing and they call her Daisy. And then Timothy Chalamet shows up. She's like, do you uh, like my dress? And he's like, no, you look superficial. Um, and then he, she's like, don't tell anybody. I want to have fun tonight. And then my friend was like, what is he doing? Is he trying to hit on everybody? And I was like, well, Timothy Chalamet has chemistry with everybody. You can put that on a t-shirt as well. He has, he vibes with everybody. He has the gift of intimacy. I'm sorry. Um, but I definitely did not feel anything between Emma Watson and um, Timothy Chalamet. That would have been horrendous. I don't think that would have worked at all. Um, then let's talk about Mr. Brooks because, 
Um, he reminds me of my boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, that actor is gorgeous, James Norton. I love that nose. I love big noses. Something you guys might know about me or just discovered about me. Welcome to my life. Love big noses. Um, but I love seeing some because usually he's just poor, and Meg is like, I cannot buy pretty things. She doesn't say that. I wouldn't say that either in that situation. But I love seeing the, oh my God, I just bought a very expensive fabric. And he's like, I'm sorry, I can give you what you want. And then later in the movie, he's like, you know what, buy yourself a dress. And she's like, I sold the fabric, bitch. <laughs> I did the right thing. Mommy taught me well. I love seeing their interactions because usually you, you don't see them as much. And you just think, oh, Brooks, he's boring. But no, he's the kindest man. He's very kind. And... My God, I don't know. Some it was a bit awkward. Yeah, and it's supposed to be awkward, but it happened so fast when Laurie comes back after he marries Amy and Joe is asleep and he's like, Oh my god, hi, how are you doing? And then he's like, Yeah, nobody can, you know, nobody can control my wife. And she's like, What? What? Wait, 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 wait. What did you say? Ooh, what'd you say? Ooh, Daniel. I cannot stop singing. It's like, um, you know the show Miranda? You should check it out with Miranda Hart on it. She has this thing where sometimes she starts singing and she cannot stop. And she continues. Anyway, that's what happens to me most of the time in this podcast. If you're new, hello. That's what happens. Uh, but I think, I don't want to repeat myself, but great. I think it was a great, um, you know, it brought something extra to the adaptations of Little Woman. There's a ton of them, but this one was extra because of, the political insight of the time, what it means, women saying what it meant for them back in the day. These Louisa May Alcott's parallels. I love the financial discussion between Joe and the publisher, which is like, I want to keep my copyright and I, you know, I want this to be published and I want to be paid this. And they are gambling, like not gambling, they're like exchanging numbers. And it was great to see a woman trying to own her work back in the day because you don't see that much discussion of that of period drama women strong discussing their terms you know they're always like I guess that's the best I can do that's the best I can do father um so I love Jesus I love seeing that happen um yeah basically that's what I thought I really enjoyed it you should definitely check it out go with your girls go with your girls go with your um, friends, go with your sisters if you can. That would be amazing. Do you have four sisters? If you do, can I borrow three? <laughs> no. If you have four sisters or more than four sisters or less than four sisters, you should definitely go and check it out. Uh, you can write me. You know where to write me. Happy New Year, by the way, if you're listening to this at some point. Happy New Year. Have a beautiful 2020. Let's make this 2020 more about yourself. Okay? Not about me, about you, listener, because that's what it's all about. Focus on yourself. Focus on your power. Even if you're a man or woman, be a little woman. Be a Greta Gerwig today. In 2020, be Greta Gerwig. Um, so thank you so much for listening. If you have any like comments on it or you want me to suggest similar projects as Little Woman 2019, give me a call. Stalk me. Um, or write me on my Instagram at Sarcastic Dimples or at Review Without a Podcast. You can even write me an email if you insist at Review Without a Cause at gmail.com. Or if you feel like it, 
you can sponsor me on patreon.com slash review without a cost. I don't know, whatever you want. Um, I hope you have a beautiful 2020. I hope you enjoyed the festivities of um, the new year. And I think I'm releasing this on my birthday. So I guess happy birthday to May. 24 bitches. <laughs> Yay. Uh, I'm an adult. People take me seriously now. Thank you so much for listening. And um, welcome to 2020.